Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 164. I'm Art Breckner, and as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always a good time at the end of your long, hard day to cozy up to a nice, cold, frothing Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, but we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly. With that said, let's bring in our guest. It is the radio voice of the Detroit Red Wings, the one and only, yes, it is, it's Ken Cal. He joins us on episode 164. Hey, Ken, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Well, it's 87 degrees outside, and I could go from one of those Labatt Blues right now because it's kind of humid, and uh, boy, our sponsor, I hope they take care of us. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm right there, too. Uh, it would be nice. Uh, it would be very, very nice to have a nice ice-cold Labatt Blue uh, uh, as we do this podcast. With that said, uh, tonight we're doing this on the 28th of June. Uh, the Stanley Cup Final begins I think no one's surprised that the Tampa Bay Lightning are playing uh, to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. But the biggest surprise is the Montreal Canadiens. Ken, your initial thought on this final? Well, it's amazing how far Montreal has gone. And uh, boy, my hat's off to them because they certainly played well in that first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I would have never thought that Toronto was going to lose that first round. But uh, Montreal really played well. Then Montreal played well in the second round against the Winnipeg Jets and then played a very tough opponent in Vegas and won some close hockey games there, and now they're in the final. As far as the Tampa Bay Lightning's concerned, they're just a terrific team. You could see it coming. And even before they won the Stanley Cup art last year, you could tell that they were on the verge of uh, opening the window and really being a, a, a dominant team for, for many, many years. So. You know, I, I guess it helps their team, too, that uh, Nikita Kucherov, who didn't play the whole season, is back for the playoffs. That kind of helps them out a little bit, but uh, it should be a good final. I think nobody's expecting Montreal to win. I think everybody's thinking Tampa Bay's going to win, but you know what? Uh, Carey Price is a solid goaltender. He could pull the upset if he's hot, and on the other side, you've got a great goaltender in Andre Vasilevsky, who's just an outstanding goaltender, and he's played well. So it could be the battle of the goaltenders, lots of low-scoring games maybe. Yeah, it could be a lot of two to one affairs, which you know, Tampa. And, and, you know, I'm, this is, I'm going to say this, and then I, then I'm going to be done. I promise. But you can see that Steve Eiserman built the Tampa Bay Lightning because they're very similar to the Red Wings. They have a lot of diamonds in the rough on that team, and they can play any style you want to play. And the left side of their back end uh, is, I, I, I said, I, I referred to it earlier in the season as almost criminal. Uh, uh, with uh, with Hedman, Sirkachev, and McDonough, but uh, uh, but I mean it is they're just a team that's loaded, and that's why I think that everybody and their brother. I have not even even the Canadian press really hasn't given Montreal much of a chance. You know, it's amazing art is if you look back, uh, was it maybe four, five, six years ago? Remember when Grand Rapids was uh, in the playoffs and they played the Tampa Bay. A lot of the guys that are on Tampa Bay, their farm team in the American Hockey League, and they had all those young stars that were going to make it in the National Hockey League one day. And I kind of look at the Red Wings right now in that same situation because I think people in Grand Rapids this year are going to take a look at uh, all the talent that the Red Wings have drafted over the last several years, and uh, they're going to be surprised at how well these guys can play. So I, I kind of see some similarities. And as far as Steve Eisman's concerned, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, it wasn't an overnight deal for Steve Eisman in Tampa. It took time. He took his lumps. He went through some years of pain, but for the most part, uh, got the job done. And uh, it's unfortunate that he wasn't around to win that cup last year. We're glad to have him here in Detroit, but you can see what he built there in Tampa Bay. I asked him last year when it looked like Tampa was going to win. He did a uh, uh, one of his, maybe it was a, I don't know exactly what, but it was a pre-draft press conference or something was going on. And uh, and I asked him if he felt a sense of satisfaction if Tampa won the cup. And he said, nah, not satisfaction, uh, but I, I'm happy. I know a lot of those players. I obviously know the organization. And he went on about the owner and how great a city it is and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there listening to him, and I, you know, I would never doubt Steve Eisenman, as you very well know, Ken. But uh, I'm sitting there thinking, I think there might be just a little tinge 
of self-satisfaction if Tampa wins the cup for him. I mean, I if I were still on the radio, I would have done a bit of trying to get his name on the Stanley Cup. That's how important I think he was, you know, to that organization winning last year. But uh, that's neither here nor there. You know, the one thing I will say about Montreal is that obviously Carey Price can steal a series. He can win it on his own. And I think that his motivation is going to be I've done everything in this sport except win a Stanley Cup. So he'll be supremely motivated. Shea Weber will be supremely motivated. He's a great defenseman in his own right. You know, we're all rooting for uh, uh, Dan Petrie, uh, Jeff Petrie, Peaches Peaches, uh, Peaches Petrie's son. And I, I look at it, but I think what might be a difference is the emergence of Cole Caulfield, the young American, and Nick Suzuki. These kids are 20 and 21 who have really played beyond their years and have really given Montreal that shot of adrenaline, that shot of offense that this club really needs. That's a good point, Art. And when I think of the Red Wings, I think of Mo Sider, who I think is going to make the team this year. And I think of Lucas Raymond. Uh, you know, these are two guys that you hope could be similar to a Suzuki uh, in Montreal and a Cole Caulfield. You hope that they can come in the National Hockey League and pay instant dividends. And, you know, they're young enough to be able to carry a team and you know, that's what you have, you hope for in Detroit. You hope that you have your, your fingers crossed. But no doubt about it, those two players have definitely helped offensively, you know, run the, the Montreal Canadiens. And when it came down to crunch time, that Caulfield was unbelievable. Some of the plays that he made and the goals that he scored, just outstanding. So, you know, you can't count out Montreal. Yeah, I think that uh, they have just as good a shot to win as uh, Tampa Bay. And again, if the first two games they're played in Tampa, Florida, if Montreal can can steal a game right there, then they've got home ice advantage. We all know that the Bell Center is a tough place to play, and you just never know. And, you know, you look at the history, it's like uh, the Red Wings are with Montreal. They've won so many cups since they came into the National Hockey League. They haven't won since 1993 when Jacques Demers was their head coach. And I, I bet those Canadian fans are just going wild there in Montreal, and they'd like to see another Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah, without question. I mean, they've won 24 uh, I know that the, the late, great Ted Lindsay said if Jack Adams uh, wouldn't have broken up that uh, powerhouse Red Wing team <laughs> back in, the, uh, that, that the Red Wings would have had four or at least four or not maybe five of those cups that Montreal had and that they would be much, much closer. It was, uh, it was always great to talk to Ted, but don't mention uh, Jack Adams because uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, would, he would start talking about, yeah, Montreal says 24, but in my, my mind, I, I think they may be 20 for them and 15 for us or something around that that line but uh it, but uh, anyway Ken I'm going to put you on the spot as we going to move on here and talk about the Red Wings how, how who wins the Stanley Cup does Tampa repeat as champions I would say yes I, I think I think they have the most depth I like their goaltender and Andre Vasilevsky and he's proven in big games to shut the opponents down and I can remember when Dominic Kosick was here in Detroit in 2002 he came up with some big games for Detroit when they needed a goaltender to come up big. He posted back-to-back -back shutouts, I believe, in the Western Conference Final against Colorado that year. And Vasilevsky's doing the same with Tampa Bay. So, you know, he can win those tight battles just like Carey Price. But I just think that with Kucherov back, and you look at Tampa Bay, they have so much depth offensively. They can roll four lines. And in my opinion, Art, they're the best four-line team in the National Hockey League, bar none. As you mentioned, back there on the blue line, they're solid as well. And if you happen to beat a defenseman, you have to go and beat uh, Vasilevsky, who's a tough, big goaltender to beat. So I just think that uh, too much depth for Tampa Bay. I'm expecting a good series, a hard-fought series, but in the end, I think he's going to win. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, I, I don't know how many games it's going to take and all that stuff, but I do believe that certainly – uh, uh, when you look at it, uh, you know, I, I can't see Tampa being this close to repeat champions. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I will say this, if Tampa does win it this year, and I believe that they will, I think the Stanley Cup hangover will be next season. So is mm -hmm. because they're going to be playing a lot of hockey in a short period of time, but, uh, uh, uh but yeah, we, we both see uh, Tampa, uh, uh, winning and, uh, uh, although, I would not be stunned, and Ken, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I think neither one of us would be stunned if if Montreal continues this quote-unquote Cinderella season and wins the Cup this year. Well, they always say it, Art, when you're on a roll, you know, you, you, you're hard to stop, and Montreal right now has the momentum going on their side, and they beat a really good club in the Vegas Golden Knights. As, 
As a matter of fact, uh, I, I picked Vegas to, to win it all, and I was really surprised that Montreal beat Vegas. A lot of close games in that series, but Montreal found a way to get those uh, those victories, especially in overtime. So, uh, you know, I thought Vegas was built for the playoffs. They certainly were a strong team. They missed a few uh, able bodies in their lineup. But with that said, Montreal, you got to give them credit. They played well. Yeah, they really did. I mean, Vegas was my was my team too, and my dark horse candidate was Carolina. But uh, you know, both of those teams obviously out of the playoffs. Let's uh, let's turn our attention to uh, uh, to the Red Wings this year. And uh, Ken, your overall thoughts is now we've had a couple of months at least to reflect on the season that Detroit just concluded. Uh, I would say, in my book. It was an encouraging season for the Red Wings. It was in some areas. In some areas, it wasn't, and that's just being truthful. And I think offensively, they're still challenged, and they have to find ways to score goals. Their power play wasn't very good. They went through a drought where they went uh, 0 for 40 on the power play. But with that said, I I see what the Red Wings are doing, and um, I think they're building – to be a better defensive team, kind of like what the New York Islanders are. And and what I mean by that is that there really was a strong emphasis from Jeff Blaschel and the coaching staff to get the puck out of their own zone, to have a veteran presence back there on the blue line. Guys like Mark Stahl, I believe, really helped out. Stetcher was good back there. Merrill, when he was with uh, the Red Wings before, you know, he was traded at the trade deadline. You know, Roenick's emerging as a really solid defenseman. Gustav Lindstrom's been pretty pretty solid back there on the blue line, too. So I, I think what you're seeing from the Red Wings is the attention to detail to becoming a solid defensive team. And once they get that going, then, you know, they work on their offensive game. But really, when I, I look at it and you look at all the divisional games that the Red Wings played in last year, Art, they played some tough teams. It was a tough division. I mean, Montreal and, and Tampa Bay are in the final. They're both from the Atlantic division. So that tells you how tough the division is for Detroit. But the Red Wings last year played Tampa Bay really tough. Uh, Tampa Bay in that last series uh, before the end of the season only scored, I think, three goals in two games. And that, and that was uh, outstanding defensive play by Detroit. Red Wings even won a game there. They played Carolina tough uh, all season long and the Florida Panthers. So I, I just think that what I'm seeing now from the Red Wings is that they're building from the blue line out I think they're still going to need a goaltender, and you know we'll talk about that in a little bit, I would imagine, through the draft. But sooner or later, they're going to have to pick a goaltender um, in the draft that's going to help them down the road. And then they'll worry about the scoring. But if you can cut the goals against down, then you've got a chance each and every night to, to win a hockey game. And I think that's the direction that the Red Wings are, are moving into right now. And I really thought they made a big, big strides forward late in the hockey season in the last month and a half. Their penalty kill got better and they were playing better in their own zone. Ken, you know, you bring up a great point uh, about really the, the the one thing that the Red Wings have struggled with uh, for quite a while now is a lack of offense. Uh, uh, you know, everyone thought that, you know, Anthony Mantha could be that 40, 45 goal scorer a year and, you know, maybe he can do it in Washington. Uh, yeah, I wish Anthony nothing but the best as a capital, but um, where is it coming from? Do you see uh, Larkin and Bertuzzi and uh, players, you know, Zadina, do you think these guys have more in the tank to take a step up? And we always seem to forget about Robbie Fabry in this discussion, too. Well, I, I don't know where the offense is going to be coming from. And, uh, you know, I think I think how you win games is your special teams have to be solid. Your power play has to be really good. And if right. you can score a power play goal or two during the course of a game, that's good. That alone is going to win you a game. I, I looked at a stat last year, Art, that was pretty impressive going into the last game of the regular season. And when the Red Wings scored three or more goals in a game last season, they were like 17-1-1. So that tells me that if they could get the three goals on a regular basis, which means if they could score another power player two during the course of the game, they win more hockey games, they get more points, and maybe they're vying for a playoff spot. So... I think um, Verana, he's going to be one of the leaders offensively. He has shown that he can put the puck in the net with the best of them. As for Anthony Mantha, I always thought that he should shoot the puck more. And, you know, this is a game of numbers, Art. And and if you look at Alexander Ovechkin, the guy gets 270, 300, if not more, shots on goal each and every season, right? 
if and Anthony Mantha, I think he scored a goal once out of every eight or nine shots. The problem was he wasn't shooting enough. So you, when you have a guy that can put the puck in the back of the net, you got to be able to get guys to get him the puck, and he's got to be able to shoot. I think at times Anthony Mantha wanted to make the play as opposed to shooting. And uh, he was a sniper, but with that said, he's no longer a Red Wing. Verana's here. He looked impressive. And again, I think the numbers will need to produce from a lot of guys up front. Larkin, uh, even Verana, uh, uh, you know, uh, Michael Rasmussen, who's always been a power play specialist. I think if he can get his share of goals with the man advantage, that's going to help out offensively. Robbie Fabry, as you mentioned, pretty good on the power play. So is uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Hopefully he can come back and he was healthy. And uh, he scored some power play goals for Detroit, too. So everyone's got to pick up their game offensively up front if the Red Wings want to get more points and win more hockey games. You know, it's really interesting. You, you said a couple of things that really uh, touched upon me. First of all, about uh, shots on net. And Anthony Mantha used to tell me that he his goal was to get five shots on net every game. And if he got five shots, he knew he'd get a couple of scoring chances. And he felt like probably a goal or two. Uh, if five shots on net. So every time I would look at that stat sheet and, you know, he very rarely got five shots on net. (laughs) And, and, you know, and I'm thinking, geez, but he knows it. Well, Jeff Blaschel said something really interesting when Jacob Vrana got to the Red Wings is that he doesn't need a lot of shots. He doesn't need a lot of opportunities. He buries his chances. And I'm not dissing Anthony Mantha here because everybody knows I love the BT Express. But with that said, that, I think, is a key. Uh, if you have a guy who makes the most of his limited chances, and Verona seems to be that player, that could go a long way in helping the Red Wings uh, uh, cure their offensive woes. A couple other things, Art, is I think the Red Wings need more balance scoring. I don't think they got it from their third and fourth line players, with the exception of maybe Adam Ernie. Ernie had a really good year last year and uh, really put the puck in the net. At one time before Verona got here, I think he was the leading goal scorer on the Red Wings. So uh, I I just think you need more balance. And what I mean by that is that sometimes your top two lines aren't going to get it going. Other teams are going to shut them down. But good teams have solid third and fourth lines that can help off the top two lines by scoring a goal or two during the course of the hockey game. And if you're solid defensively and you're getting good, solid goalkeeping, and I thought for the most part, Grice and Bernier were pretty solid back there in net. Problem is the Red Wings didn't score for them. And if they could get a couple of more goals, they win more hockey games. And as I mentioned before, they get more points and maybe they're vying for a playoff spot. The other thing too is I think we need to see more offense from the defense. And maybe if Mo Sider, and I'm expecting him to make the team, um, it, it, maybe he can be that type of defenseman, along with Philip Aronik, who can generate some offense and, and be pretty solid on the blue line in the offensive zone. And uh, when you get a defenseman who can, who can add, bring the puck up, uh, you know, set it up on the power play, be the quarterback, and, and help out your forwards by keeping plays alive, keeping pucks in at the line, making smart heads-up passes, then that really helps out your forwards, too, as far as goal scoring. Well, yeah, certainly. that way It would be great to see Mo Sider because one of the things that maybe was a question mark was his offensive upside. But I think he proved uh, uh, in Sweden last year where he was like the Swedish defenseman of the year in the, the Swedish Hockey League and, and, and at the uh, World Championship was the defenseman of the whole tournament. I mean, that he does have an offensive game for him. Uh, you know, it, it really seems to be uh, rounding out. Another thing, Ken, I wanted to touch upon, how many times last season after a game did we hear, whether it was Jeff Blaschel or one of the uh, Red Wing players that addressed the media, how they were five-on-five, five, that five-on-five five were a good team. We get as many chances as anybody. Or, like, I think Jeff Blaschel alluded to, like, Five on five, we have the third most uh, quality scoring chances in the whole NHL, which again goes back to the power play. Uh, and I guess, you know, and Steve has said it, that this new assistant coach that they're going to be hiring has to be a power play specialist because the difference could be, as you've aptly put out, they five on five, you know, they've got a system that they've played, and you mentioned it at the end of the year, it was coming together for them. Yet, Without a, a, a power play, any kind of power play, and their power play was really, really bad, uh, it's going to still be a struggle for this club. 
Well, it is, and uh, they have to find a way to fix that. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it was the entries, and I think that was one of the problems the Red Wings had was actually just getting the puck over the blue line and setting it up in the offensive zone. A lot of times they were stopped at the blue line, the other team shoots it down the ice, and now, you know, 20, 30 seconds come off the clock, and when you finally do set it up in the offensive zone, the power plays over with. So somehow they have to be a little more creative, I think, on their entries. And I think they also have to win battles in the corner. And, and when you can do those types of things, you can set up plays and you can get, and you got to be creative out there too. I, I think you can't be X's and O's in that offensive zone. I think you have to let players be creative and, and find spots, find, find openings and, and, you know, make sure somebody gets them the puck. And, you know, I look, I look at Robbie Fabry, the guy's always good in front of the net. He scored his share of power play goals. Tyler Bertuzzi always in front of the net. That's where you need to be. And uh, sometimes it's not always the best setup that scores on the power play. It's just getting those dirty, greasy goals. And certainly the Red Wings and those two players in particular have gotten those greasy goals for Detroit. But if you can get that power play going, and if you can get your penalty kill, you know, in the top 10 or top 15, then all of a sudden your game changes. You're in more hockey games, and you're going to win, win more games and get more points. Yeah, there's no question. Hopefully uh, uh, that will be addressed. Kenya, you know, I know – uh, I, I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but, uh, uh, you know, there is going to be an expansion draft uh, uh, this year. The Red Wings are going to have to submit a protected list on, uh, I believe it's by July 17th as the deadline for their protected list. I think everybody's assuming they're going to go seven, uh, three, uh, seven forwards, three defensemen, uh, and, and a goaltender. Uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, uh, Verona, Ernie, Bertuzzi, Rasmussen, Giovanni Smith, Larkin, uh, uh, Fabre, uh, uh, Cholo, Hironic, Lindstrom, and Grice. I think that's going to be their protected list. Uh, I know I kind of ran that by you uh, pretty fast. Do you do you agree with that, or do you see them maybe? Uh, I think defense is where it gets a little dicey for the Red Wings. I just have one question: Do the Red Wings have to protect protect Zadina? Doesn't no, they. No, they do not. Uh, right. uh, that goes down to uh, he did not play that 10-game threshold his first year. So right. his rookie contract did not kick in. That three-year deal did not kick in that year. So he is exempt. I agree with all the players that you mentioned there as far as being productive. I, I don't think the Red Wings are going to lose much in the uh, expansion draft. I think if you were some other teams – you have to worry a little bit. I'm not so sure the Red Wings need to worry a whole a whole heck of a lot. Uh, I don't know what Seattle's plan is. I, I don't I don't know. You know, are, are they going to try to be an offensive team? Are they going to try to be uh, defensive? You know, first before the offense. Are they looking for a, a solid goaltender? I don't know. And that's something that I think when it comes down to it, and they start picking in their draft, you know, and a, and a Red Wing hasn't been selected, then I think you can kind of tell where what direction they're going to go in but you know that last draft that the Vegas had they took Thomas Nosek and I don't think anybody expected them to take Thomas Nosek so sometimes there could be some surprises as well right and Nosek is still playing for Vegas he's a yes. he's been a fourth liner and actually has been a, a a solid contributor to them I mean you know he's certainly not like an all-star or anything but but certainly and I I agree with you yeah it'll be interesting to see who they pick uh yeah I would imagine uh you know, Troy Stetcher might be the candidate if he is left unprotected, but I have no inside information at all on that. But it will be interesting to see. Uh, the expansion draft uh, for Seattle uh, will uh, will be on July 21st uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern time. They're going to pick their team. And, uh, and as we said, July 17th is when the Red Wings will have to. Uh, uh, the Red Wings can either protect eight skaters and a goaltender or seven forwards three defensemen and one goaltender. I think everybody and their brother expects them to go 7-3-1. With that said, let's look at the unrestricted free agents the Red Wings have right now, Ken, because mm -hmm. uh, if the Red Wings were to sign, let's say, Luke Lindenning, who's an unrestricted free agent, before the expansion draft, they would have to protect him. So, you know, my, my, my big joke is on July 22nd, the day after Seattle picks their team, you're going to see a flurry of activity of unrestricted free agents being signed by their clubs or at least trying to try to, to sign them. But uh, unrestricted free agents the Red Wings have uh, Darren Helm, Val Philpola, 
Luke Glendening, Sam Gagne, Mark Stahl, Alex Biega, uh, uh, Jonathan Bernier, uh, Bobby Ryan, and uh, uh, and it's real interesting. Terrell Hirose, uh, Dominic Turgeon, and Joe Hicketts are unrestricted free agents. They're they're in a G6 category, meaning they at their age and they haven't played enough NHL games that the that they're allowed to be free agents. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with all three of those players because they have been, you know, contributors in their own right uh, to the Red Wings and to the organization, including Grand Rapids in general. But when you look at that list of UFAs, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I think at this point, if I had to uh, uh, pick, I would assume Bernier has to come back, uh, uh, Glenn Denning, and maybe Mark Stahl. How do you see it playing out, Ken? Well, I like what Mark Stahl did last year, and uh, I, I thought he was really solid back there in the blue line. And from all the things, I didn't travel with the team, but from, you know, some people that I talked with, uh, he was really good, with, especially with some of the younger players. So I'd like to see him come back. I thought he did an outstanding job. You know, the, the, the two players, I guess, that come to mind right now is Richard Ponick, who they got in the deal um, last year. And, and what about Andre, or, um, Evgeny Svechnikov? Here's another guy that cleared waivers a couple of times already, wasn't taken by any other team. And, you know, it, will the Seattle Kraken, will they take a shot at Svechnikov? I mean, that's, that's interesting as well. Well, right, yeah. I mean, Sveshnikov obviously is not going to be protected. Connick right. is under contract next year to the Red Wings. He's going to make $2.75 million. Now, will Seattle want that? I mean, he's a kind of a, you know, he. I, I, I thought Connick was was pretty good for the Red Wings. I mean, I didn't think he looked certainly out of place. I mean, the guy is a veteran NHLer, but, uh, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. The, the expansion draft will be interesting to see because what – Vegas was able to do, and I think Ron Francis, the GM of the Seattle Kraken, has, has pretty much told everybody that's not going to happen again. You know, don't yeah. you know if you're buying your Stanley Cup final tickets, if you're a Kraken fan for next year, we're not going to be in it. You know, we're just not. So, uh, uh, but uh, but going back to the UFAs, um, I I would imagine I, I know there like Darren Helm, Phil Pula. Uh, I, I, you know, Gagne and Bobby Ryan, uh, I'm under the assumption those are guys that Steve's really going to have to make decisions on. Well, you're right about that. And, um, you know, what players are out there right now that the Steve Eisenman think that are going to be unrestricted free agents around the league that he could go out, go out after and, and, you know, build his team even better. You know, the Red Wings, they don't have their uh, hand hands uh, tied right now as far as the salary cap is concerned. They got a lot of money if they want to spend it. Um, but again, you have to take a like I thought Gagne was actually pretty solid for the Red Wings last year. Right. I thought you know he played a pretty good role for the team, and it wouldn't surprise me if um, you know Steve Eiserman signed him, and and he came back for Detroit. But you know uh, he, I, I look at guys like Darren Helm, who's been with the Red Wings. I think he was the last player now that uh, actually won a Stanley Cup that's still on this team. Um, you know, he's from Western Canada and, you know, maybe he goes to Edmonton with his old buddy, Kenny Holland out there. And if he doesn't come back to Detroit, right, right. certainly he was, he, you know, he was, when the game was on the line, he was always out there on the ice along with Luke Glenn Denning, you know, in the waning moments, he could get the job done, get the puck out and played a really big role for the Red Wings. So I, I just think that you have to, when you build your team, you can't have all the same type of players. You need your goal scorers, but you need those guys too, that are going to muck it up and grind and, you know, sometimes you need some enforcers out there like like a Giovanni Smith type. So it'll be interesting to see what the Red Wings do in the offseason. And as you mentioned, Art, nothing really is going to happen, I don't think, until after the uh, Kraken draft. Right. Yeah, I, I would say this. I, I, I you know, and, and you know, and, and trust me, I have no inside information. I mean, Ken's a real insider here. He, you know, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> he, he's always strolling down to Steve's it's office. Not, it's not like Steve Eisenman invites us to dinner every time and picks our brain, right? No, no, but we have had dinner with him before. Uh, <laughs> Up in uh, Traverse City, right? That's right. That's exactly right. I think Dave Barr will never forget that evening. Uh, uh, <laughs> with, with that said... Um, I would say Glenn Denning's a lock to come back if he wants to. He's unrestricted. I, I assume Bernier has to be back. And, uh, you know, as much as I think we all like Bobby Ryan, I'm not so sure that he would be back. But uh, if, if you had to say maybe the big two or the two top priority, I would say it has to be Glenn Denning and Bernier at this point. 
Yeah, I agree with you right there. I mean, uh, Bernier has been solid all season long for Detroit. He's been a really solid goaltender. You know, the other question, though, comes to mind, Art, is, um, you know, is there another goaltender out there that uh, maybe the Red Wings feel could could help them even more? And and that those are questions that can only be decided by Steve Eiserman and his staff. And, you know, you know, if they find somebody, does that mean Bernier doesn't come back? I mean, that's that's the question right now. You've got Grice. He's got one more year left on his deal. Fulcher, I, I would believe, is, you know, the, the backup, backup of the backup. But on, on the other hand, you know, um, if there's a goalie out there that could be available, maybe the Red Wings take a shot at another goaltender because Bernier is uh, unrestricted. Or, yeah, unrestricted. So we'll just have to wait and see. I, I would assume, though, that uh, Bernier's coming back. And, and again, if he does come back, he really helped this Red Wing team over the last several years. Right. And, you know, and I think when Glenn Denning's a foregone conclusion, I don't know what Luke would do with himself if he wasn't playing hockey in the state of Michigan. I mean, that's, that, that's all he knows, much like Dylan Larkin. I, 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 I think that Glenn Denning is a, a Michigander or a Michiganian, however you want to say it, uh, through and through. And, uh, I, I, you know, I haven't talked to Luke. No, no one really has. It's all been Zoom calls. But I, I would assume that he's just wants to stay here. I, I, I don't see why he would want to go anywhere else. And I think the Red Wings want him back, and and that means a lot to to a player. And I, I'm sure that uh, you know that the Red Wings would want him back. Let's face it, he was he he was one of the best face-off guys in the league for almost three quarters of the season. I think he his numbers went down a little bit late in the year, but like. I mentioned before when Jeff Blasio, when the game was on the line, Luke Glendening was always out there in the waning moments. And that's how you can tell how important players are. If they're not your really star, superstar players, it's those guys that can go out there, win faceoffs, win the battles, get the puck out of danger when they have to. And certainly Luke Glendening is a guy that can fit that bill. Yeah, he certainly can. I mean, when you look at the, uh, uh, the other unrestricted free agents in the league, I mean, Ovechkin, Hamilton, Landeskog, Nugent Hopkins, Rass, Taylor Hall, um, Grubauer, Barry, Hyman, Deneau, um, Thomas Tatar, who's fallen a little bit in disfavor with the emergence of Cole Caulfield in, in Montreal. But, you know, I look at it, and, and there's some intriguing names, but I'm at a point now where I still think Steve is going to think, look, I could, you know, if, if, if first of all, if there is an unrestricted free agent he thinks is going to help the team, he's going to go after him. We know that. But I think maybe he's thinking, you know, maybe this is time. We're in a transition. Let's see what some of our younger players can do. Uh, and, and maybe, uh, you know, give give a Valeno and Smith. And, you know, Rasmussen's already here. Uh, you know, Berggren's coming over. Uh, Lucas Raymond's under contract. You know, maybe not. Not maybe you don't put him in Detroit right away, but you take him in Grand Rapids, and maybe they have the uh, uh, the I ninety six uh, shuttle or whatever it's called. You know, between Detroit and GR. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know what Steve's going to do, but I wouldn't be surprised if he if he tends to go that way. I would think just looking over the last couple of years, what Steve Eiserman has done and where the Red Wings are at in their current rebuild. First, of, first and foremost, I don't think he is going to take an aging free agent and give him a long-term deal. Even if a player is 28 years old, I just don't think that's how he wants to build this team. I think if a player like that wants to take a two-year deal or maybe even a three-year deal or less term and more money, then obviously you know, maybe Steve would do something like that. But I just think right now that the future of the Red Wings is – is how they're going to draft in the next couple of years and and how their draft choices in the last two years are going to be in the next few years. So what I mean by that is that uh, they've drafted well and within the next couple of years, those players should be National Hockey League players and play with the Detroit Red Wings and they're going to be the core group eventually of your club. So I think that's the way he wants to go. If you can get a free agent that can complement the team in some way, whether it's a, a grinder, whether it's a setup man, whether it's a, a veteran defenseman, and it's not going to cost an arm and a leg to get them, or even a goaltender. I mean, the Red Wings aren't going to go out and get a $9 million goaltender. Uh, you know, I, I mean, that, not, not at this point. Maybe if they were a playoff team and they wanted to get to the next level, maybe that's who they go shopping at if they had some money. But I just think that it's going to take time. Steve knows that. 
He's, uh, he's not going to be persuade, persuaded by any other uh, voices out there. He's going to do it his way, and uh, his way is taking his time, doing it the right way, getting a core group of players who are going to be with the Red Wings for a long period of time, and they can build and grow together, and then that's how this team is going to be built eventually into a Stanley Cup club. Right. The only veteran contract I see him taking on would be like another Mark Stahl deal, uh, where you know he, uh, you know they're getting a second round pick along with Mark Stahl, who was not bad for the Red Wings last year. Uh, you know the Rangers' second round pick is is coming to Detroit this year. I mean that's that's about all I can see him doing as far as adding a veteran presence uh, uh, to this team. But uh, let's go to the restricted. Art, Art, real quick, yep. Art, sure. Real quick on the, on that point right there, and that is a good point because there are going to be teams this year who are already at the salary cap. Right. They're going to have to dump some salaries. And you might be able to get a solid player and maybe even a draft choice by by teams unloading a high-salary player uh, just because of the fact that they'll be over the cap. So there's there's a lot of cat-and-mouse games that are going to happen, especially in the end of July. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I you know I I mean uh, you know obviously I wish the Red Wings were in the playoffs and the uh, reliving uh, yesteryear you know the the golden years of uh, modern day Red Wing hockey that we just uh, concluded here. Uh, but uh, but this is kind of fascinating to watch how this team is being built. And uh, you know first Kenny Holland and now and now Steve in charge. It it, it is pretty. Uh, uh, if you're a hockey fan and you like the way, uh, you know, to watch a foundation, Detroit's a pretty good spot to be in right now because you're going to see a very strong team being built here uh, by Steve and his staff. The uh, restricted free agents, Jacob Rana, Adam Ernie, Tyler Bertuzzi, Chase Pearson, uh, uh, who's also elig- uh, arbitration eligible. Uh, Pearson Bertuzzi, Ernie and Verana are arbitration eligible. And then Michael Rasmussen, Evgeny Shvechnikov, Dennis Chalowski, uh, Gus Lindstrom, uh, Philip Horonik, and then Giovanni Smith. I would be, except for Shvechnikov, I would say that the Red Wings are definitely going to work out a deal with all the restricted free agents. Yeah, I think they have to, too. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are, are key players for this Red Wing team. So that, I don't think that's going to be a surprise. I, I agree with the art. I think uh, all those players that you mentioned will be re-signed by Detroit. Yeah, and uh, uh, Matthias Brome and Christian Juice, <laughs> both of them have signed. They were also arbitration eligible and restricted free agents for the Red Wings. Uh, they have signed to play in Switzerland. So mm-hmm. they are no longer uh, on the club. Uh, when we look at uh, uh, the current roster or guys that are under contract, I would imagine that maybe a, a, a decision that uh, Steve's going to have to make is uh, Franz Nielsen's making $5.25 million next season. Uh, he bought out Justin Abdicator last year. Do you see any buyouts coming this year? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think that uh, it's there's a good likelihood that Franz Nielsen could get bought out. And, and the reason why I say that is because, um, as you mentioned earlier, you alluded to earlier that I think Steve wants to start seeing what some of these young guys can do, like Giovanni Smith, Michael Rasmussen, uh, you know, Valeno, and you know, maybe even a Lucas Raymond down the road. Like He wants to see him play and, and see what they can do in the National Hockey League. And you know, I, I think that you know, Franz Nielsen has been a really solid NHL player. The Red Wings acquired him. Uh, they, they signed him to a long-term deal. But at this point in his career, I don't know how much more he could help Detroit. Well, I, I agree. You know, Franz Nielsen, obviously, he, he wears the – if a guy's wearing a letter, and he wore the A here in Detroit, obviously uh, that is a testament to uh, what the fellas think of him um, on and off the ice. So, you know, but but I agree with you. I, I, I think that – you know, once Justin Abdicator was bought out last year, which I think took everybody a bit by surprise, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, no holds barred with Steve. I mean, he's going to do what he believes is best for the team. So, uh, and, that, and that's nothing to say anything against Franz Nielsen. Right, As I right. Mentioned, he, he's been a terrific player in the National Hockey League, played a lot of years. I think his best years were with the New York Islanders, but, um, you know, he, he played a role on this team. He was more of a defensive uh, forward for Detroit. Killed penalties, worked hard, uh, did everything you asked him to do. But at a certain point in time, especially in this league when it's a younger league, sometimes it's just hard for those veterans to to keep up with some of the youngsters. And again, as you mentioned with Justin Abdicator, kind of caught me by surprise last year. So I guess anything can happen. 
Right, right. And, uh, you know, we wish Justin, obviously, the best as well. Uh, when I look at the, the Red Wings that are under contract for next year, one of the goaltenders, Victor uh, uh, Bratstrom, is is under contract. I'm going to read these names real, real quickly. Uh, Larkin, Nielsen, Ponick, Nemetsikov, Zadina, DeKaiser, Stetcher, Grice, Fabre, Valeno, uh, Riley Barber, Mo, uh, Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, Albert Johansson, Jared McIsaac, Seth Barton, Donovan Sobrango, Philip Larson, Caden Fulcher, and also Wyatt Newpower, who they signed from the uh, uh, the Cleveland Monsters uh, this year. Who I, I who from what I've been told, don't sleep on that guy either. That uh, Newpower might be a player that could make a run at making the uh, uh, the Red Wings uh, during this year's training camp. But when I look at this, you know, obviously. Uh, Larkin, Zadina, uh, uh, Ponick, if he isn't claimed, uh, DeKaiser, Setcher, if he isn't claimed, uh, Grice, Fabre. I mean, I I'm looking at really kind of the young guys. I mean, I I'm eager to see what Joe Valeno can do, what Mo Sider can do, uh, and, and I believe guys like maybe uh, uh, Seth Barton and Albert Johansson and Lucas Raymond and jo Jonathan Berggren, uh, that these are guys that uh, uh, could be making the trip between Detroit and Grand Rapids this year, to, depending on how the season plays out, including uh, the injury factor, which is always which always comes into play, unfortunately. I guess I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I see other teams do this, and uh, you know they, they have those surprises. They bring in some solid players, and somehow they make the team and and get off to a really good start. And you know one of the guys that comes to mind is like Alex Debrinket. You know, right? He came in. He was always a goal scorer. Came in the league and uh, was just terrific. The Red Wings need some players like that to step in and surprise play people, like Dylan Larkin did. You know, nobody expected right. him to make the team. He came in and. You know, he's been in the NHL ever since. So, you know, you kind of keep your fingers crossed for a guy like maybe Lucas Raymond, who maybe will have a great camp and, and uh, you know, be one of the best players on the ice game in and game out in the exhibition games and maybe get an outstanding uh, opportunity at the start of the season to see what he can do and try to help this team. Mo Sider, as you mentioned, I think he's ready to play right, right now. I mean, he's played at every different level and he's played at a, at a high level everywhere he's gone. So I'm excited about seeing him in the lineup. But again, you know, you need those younger players to kind of step up. And, and again, as uh, Steve Eiserman and Jeff Blaschel said in the post-game locker room cleanup, is players on this team have to take it to the next level. I mean, and that means that's guys like Tyler Bertuzzi, even Jacob Verana, Dylan Larkin. I mean, they got to play better than what they've been playing. And that's not a knock on them, but in order for this team to get better, your better players have to get better too. And they have to show that, uh, you know, they can step up the ladder a little bit. And if they can do that, then that just gives them a better opportunity to win more hockey games. Right. There's no doubt. I mean, I, you know, obviously uh, I think Dylan Larkin would be the first to admit one power play goal this year, nine goals total, you know, let off forwards a nice time. You know, that's just not good enough. Dylan's got to pick it up. Well, you're right about that. And another player is Michael Rasmussen. I mean, when he played uh, junior hockey, he was terrific on the power play. That yeah, that was his bread and butter, the right. power play. And if we talk about this power play getting better, the guy I look forward to, and he's a big body in front, he's only going to get stronger, and he's got the size and the strength, he's got good hands in front of the net, is Michael Rasmussen. So, again, his level has to go up a little bit. You know, fine. I, I you know, it was interesting. Steve said something in his last uh, uh, presser to us that uh, 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 Chalowski – Lindstrom and Giovanni Smith are out of options, meaning that they can't be sent back to Grand Rapids. They would have to clear waivers. And I would assume, even though Shvechnikov has cleared waiver a couple of times, I don't see Smith, Lindstrom, or Cholo uh, uh, clearing waivers if they're put on waivers. But Steve said something that kind of stunned me. I don't know if it stunned you, Ken, or not. He said, listen, those three are going to have to be pretty bad to be put on waivers, you know, uh, and not make this team. So, uh, I, I mean, I thought I, it was startling to a degree, but I know he's right, though. But don't you think it's also time for these three guys to, to, to do it? I mean, Smith is pretty is younger, a little bit younger. But Giovanni Smith, to me, seems to be the type of players that the Red Wings need. I mean, he is a hard-nosed player who does have offensive talent. He's a solid player, but he's got to bring it each and every game. You know, right. You've got to be consistent in the National Hockey League. And from what I saw in Giovanni Smith is he'd have some really good games, and then, uh, you know, the next game wasn't as good. So, you know, he's got to find a way to bring that consistency level up. 
and, and play the same way each and every game. Obviously, you can't do it over the course of 82 games, but you got to be a little better consistently. And as far as Gustav Lindstrom, I thought he was put pretty solid back there on the blue line. Even the year before when he played for right. Detroit, I thought he came up and he did a marvelous job. So I, I don't see him. I see him being a, a big part of this team down the down the road. And, and Lindstrom's a guy that can make a good first pass out of his own zone. He's not going to wow you offensively, but he's not going to make too many de- uh, defensive mistakes either. So pretty solid back there. He's a guy that's always probably going to be like plus one, plus two. Or minus one, minus two, but you know he's never going to put out outstanding plus minus numbers. But he's really steady back there on the blue line, a guy you can count on defensively. And if Dennis Chalowski can uh, uh, become that power play specialist that everyone expects him to be, and you know I think he showed signs of being more abrasive uh, in his own end. Uh, uh, you know, certainly I, I, I think if, if if they're Penciling it in right now, if Jeff Blaschel is at his home here in Metro Detroit, penciling in uh, his power play units, I would assume Philip Horonica is on the point in, uh, on the first unit and Cholo is on the point in the second unit. Where do you put Mo Sider? Do you put him out there as well? Well, you know what? I'll tell you something. You know, going back to Mo Sider, I think Mark Stahl said something really interesting. I I know, as I said, we keep jumping around. But when he said, yeah, he would love to, he thinks he'd be a good tutor as a left-handed shot for a right-handed shooting defenseman. <laughs> Almost begging, sign me so I can play with Mo. Um, I think that that will happen in time. I really, really do. And I think that, you know, and I think there's a lot of pressure on Dennis this year on Chalowski to, uh, uh, to really take another step. But Dennis is a very balanced and level-headed young man. So I think he's equal to that challenge. But you're right. Most cider is going to be knocking on the door. Um, you know, I, I had it explained to me by, uh, uh, by, by, by one agent and a scout. They both said the same thing. Next year, Most cider might be the second-best defenseman on the Red Wings team. His second year, he'll definitely be their best defenseman. And his third year, he's going to be the best player on the team. You know, I mean, they're they're that high on him. And, you know, and I know we're putting a lot of expectations on him, but he seems to handle everything. You know, I, I, I again, I joke around and say, is there a league in Iceland? Is that where Steve's going to send him next? He's played all over the world since they drafted him. I mean, everything they throw his way, he's been able to handle. Art, you and I had an opportunity to see Mo Sider in the Prospects Tournament right. up in Traverse City. And the thing that impressed me as an 18-year-old, and this is going back a couple of years, is the leadership qualities that he provided at an early age on the ice in that tournament with his peer. He, you know, there, were, there would be timeouts or there'd be strategy late in a hockey game, and everybody he would huddle everybody up. And it was like he was the one that was directing them, giving them orders. I mean, that's pretty – you look at those intangibles like that, that just shows leadership right there. The other thing I noticed about Mo Sider is he was pretty smart at knowing when to jump into the play and when to stay back. We didn't see the big physical hits that we saw that he provided last year overseas, but, you know, that's hard to do, I guess, playing in a prospects tournament because you don't want to hurt anybody, I guess. But with that said, his leadership qualities, I think – are, 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 is, is something that um, it, it really I think Steve Eiserman's going to like. I think down the road, you know, he could maybe be, even be a captain of this Red Wing team down the road, you know, oh, I mean, I, several I, years down the road. But, right, right, that's right. That's what I like about him. And, and just going back to Dennis Chalowski, too, I thought he did improve defensively. And uh, this is a big year for Dennis. He's got to show the team that he can stick with the team, uh, you know, be, be that offensive player that they always wanted him to be because he is a good skater. But and again, keep improving defensively and keeping the puck out of his own net. Uh, it's it's real interesting when I when I look at this configuration uh, of Red Wings. I mean, you know, a guy when you say catch a break on a play uh, a player, maybe it is Jared McIsaac, guy who's been injured a lot, but you know was able to play ten games, and you know maybe he can come in, establish himself a little bit in, in Grand Rapids. And, and step in and do something, you know. Uh, uh, certainly that that would be great. You know, Jonathan Bergeron, maybe his first year. I mean, he, he you know, he's finally healthy. He was he was a stud in, in, in the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, but I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, to training camp and watching this thing go and getting back to Mo Sider. The best thing, which was most impressive, 
uh, for me is that uh, every Sunday during the prospects tournament is a day off for the prospects and they do something community wise uh, uh, in the city of Traverse City or surrounding area. One year they went to the fire and police station and hung out with the guys. And uh, two years ago, uh, they were at the, uh, I believe it's the Cherryland Humane Society and took pictures with dogs and cats and all that. And Mo Sider, this is his first rookie camp, he directed everybody. It's like, guys, time to take a picture with the staff. Guys, let's move over here. Guys, let's thank everybody. I mean, he was like in charge and I'm looking at, wow. And then of course, during the prospects tournament itself, getting in the girl at Kirby Dock was just very heartwarming to see. And another player that I'm really looking forward to, and it's not going to happen this year, but I think it's going to happen within the next couple of years, is Albert Johansson. Yes. And I had a chance to talk with Nicholas Lidstrom last year about him, and he was just glowing about you know how well he could see the ice and how good of a skater he is and how he could do all these things. And when Nick Lidstrom can can see a player and tell me that about a player, obviously you know he's going to be a, a solid player in the National Hockey League in years to come. So can't wait to see him play. Right, and, and you know, and Donovan Sobrango too, who uh, if the Kishner Rangers had a season last year, he wouldn't have been able to play in the uh, PTL, the professional uh, tryout contract he signed with Grand Rapids. And, you know, that led to the Red Wings signing him to a three-year entry deal. And to play in the A as a teenager like he did, I mean, Sobrango could be one of those guys too. I mean, there. I, I would say this. On the back end, on the back end, it looks like Detroit has a solid group of prospects. The forward core, I still think, needs a little work. But, but that's the importance of the draft this year, Art, I think, because as, as you described, they are getting better defensively. They are pretty strong back there on the blue line or getting strong back there with the talent that they've drafted. But when you draft players in this year's draft, I think you have to take a look at how they're going to be two or three years from now. And, and that's why if you draft a center iceman or if you draft a player that can score, now once you're solid defensively back there on the blue line, now you hope that the players you draft in this year's draft or even the last year's draft, those forwards can develop and be a big part of your team offensively. And now you've got some scores, you've got some offense, and you've got a, a solid blue line core as well. So that's only going to help out. Well, right. And, you know, it's interesting. Let's go to the draft here because we're, we're getting close to an hour. And I, I know, Ken, you've got uh... – uh, you know, you, you, you know, Ken's like uh, the head of his uh, neighborhood, and he, he usually addresses everybody uh, at about uh, 2.30 every day just, you know, just to talk and stuff. So uh, I, I, I don't want him to be late for, <laughs> late for that. I can't believe you let me say anything about you. You just let me get away with it. But uh, <laughs> let's go to the draft. And, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting because you talked about, and I agree with you, they need help offensively. But when I'm looking at goaltending, as great as the back end is, and I'm just talking about defensemen, at this point, unfortunately, Philip Larson has not been the guy that they thought he was. Hopefully he can turn it around. Caden Fulcher, I have no idea what's going on with Keith Petrozelli, if he's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent or if they sign him before August, if he goes back to Quinnipiac for another year. I don't know where that stands, but when you look at it, goaltending – Young goaltending prospects really seems to be an area that the Red Wings need to shore up. They really do. And, um, you know, they have an opportunity this year in the draft if they are all on the same page and they like a goaltender by the name of Jesper Wallstedt. And uh, the things that I heard about him, Art, is that he's not a long-term project for an 18-year-old. He's a short-term project. And what I mean by that is a lot of scouts say that he could be ready to play as a starting goaltender in the NHL in perhaps two years. And a lot of times you'll draft an 18-year goaltender, and it might take four or five years before he actually starts and, and makes the team. So I think if the Red Wings are all in, and uh, you know Steve Eiserman and the rest of the staff, if they really like a goaltender, like a Jesper Wallstedt, maybe they select him sixth overall. And especially the way I'm thinking is, and I mentioned this at the uh, top of our podcast here, is that the emphasis is on being a better defensive team overall. And if they can solidify that blue line core, and now you get a young goaltender that maybe in two years could be a young goaltender that can make it in the National Hockey League, and if Wall State's the guy, then you're off to a pretty good start because it's not going to cost you a boatload of money when he comes in and plays. 
and he's going to be with your team for a long, long time. Right. I, I agree with that. I mean, I like Jesper Wallstadt too. I, you know, he played the Swedish Hockey League, considered to be the third best professional league in the world uh, behind, obviously, the NHL and the AHL is number two. Uh, and as a teenager to do what he did uh, is, is pretty extraordinary. Uh, if they do draft him, and we're not saying that uh, the, that the Red Wings will, Maybe he spends another year in the SHL, but I think the Red Wings sign him. He's in Grand Rapids uh, uh, two years from now or a year from now, and uh, then who knows? You know, then the sky's the limit for him. But with that said, another goaltender that they could take with the 23rd pick, 22nd overall, because the Coyotes have forfeited their first-round pick, um, uh, could be Sebastian uh, uh, Kosa who is not that far behind Wallstead as far as uh, accolades go. And he had a really good year uh, in the uh, in, in the Western League. Uh, Kosa did uh, with, uh, uh, I think it was Winnipeg. I should double check that. He was uh, with the Edmonton. Ed Edmonton, yes, Edmonton. Yeah, sorry, Winnipeg. Uh, with uh, <laughs> with Edmonton of the Western League and, and did very well. But with that said, I mean, who knows? Owen Power, Matthew Beneers, Kent Johnson, uh, Luke Hughes. Notice, Kent, I'm saying all players that have either played for or are committed to Michigan. Uh, if one of those guys dropped to number six, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, and Johnson still might be available on his own, uh, do you see the Red Wings maybe uh, going. Uh, uh, I don't know, best player available. Steve has said we need help everywhere. But uh, uh, how do you see it playing out if maybe Wolstead, is, you know, at the end of the day they think uh, that might be a little too high to take him uh, at number six? Well, you know, I, I think I think down the road they're going to need center icemen. And, um, you know, you, you, can't, you can't buy center icemen right. in the National Hockey League. You have to develop them or draft them, develop them, and hope one day with your fingers crossed that they become outstanding players in the National Hockey League. Other teams aren't going to give up great center icemen. So I think I think down the road, maybe in this year's draft, the Red Wings need to take a look at a center iceman. Certainly Kent Johnson would fit that bill if they if they decided to go that way. As for wingers, Art, you know, I, I'm looking at some of the wingers like uh, William Eklund and He's not a big winger. He's only five foot ten, and, and that could be a knock. But he's he's a really outstanding talent out there. Right. The question is, you know, where do the Red Wings want to be three years from out? Do they want those highly skilled small players forwards? And we've seen the Red Wings have that in years gone by with Gustav Nyquist, Thomas Tatar. Or do you go bigger with your bigger wingers and become a more physical team that balances out with your physical defenseman back there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I, I think defensemen, this is a heavy draft as far as defensemen are concerned. But but I think if the Red Wings pick sixth and and I think if they want to go with a Ford, they got to take a look at a center iceman. And certainly, I don't think he's going to be there. But if Beneers drops, that would be a perfect pick for Detroit. But again, I just don't think he's going to be there. No, I mean, he's 6'2", he's 180 pounds, and, uh, you know, high motor. Uh, I, I think the Kraken are going to take him. I think Owen Power goes first to uh, uh, to to Buffalo. Uh, I, I mean, Matthew Beneers, we talked about Mo Sider, uh, and we're certainly not kicking Dylan to the curb, being maybe potentially a captain for the Red Wings. I believe Matthew Beneers is going to be a captain for the uh, Kraken down the road, uh, uh, probably sooner rather than later. I know one guy that you're really high on is Mason McTavish. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, he's a center iceman. He's played really, really well for Team Canada uh, in international competitions. Uh, uh, so, and, and I would imagine, Ken, based on the kind of year it's been where leagues were all over the road, some played, some did not, some had to shut down for COVID protocol, that I would imagine if you walked into all 32 teams and looked at their draft board, in previous years, they might be somewhat similar. A few guys are you know, maybe three spots lower than this guy had it or this team, boom, boom, boom. I would imagine you walk in this year, they're all over the board. I, I don't know if anybody's going to be, uh, all 32 teams are going to agree on much. Well, you're right about that. And last year we knew who the top four or five players were going to be in, in, in one through five, you know, in that order. But this year, other than Owen Power, and that seems to be the consensus number one pick around the National Hockey League, it's a crapshoot out there. And I guess based on, on teams' needs, that could – create some problems, I guess, uh, at the draft table, because it, let's say you have your eyes set on a certain player, and then all of a sudden a player that maybe you projected third overall drops to number six, 
what do you do? Do you stick with your with your first pick, or do you go with that the guy that fell? Kind of like the Zadina incident, right? Right, Remember right. He dropped. So, so it's interesting, you know, what goes on at the draft table. The other thing too, and and I thought about this art is, um, you know, the Red Wings if they really wanted to be creative, is maybe they could trade that pick. You know, they maybe they can trade the top two picks and do something to try and move up or do something different. That's always a possibility. It's probably not going to happen. But, you know, it's happened in the past, and, and sometimes you, that card is available as well, depending on how you want to do it. You could trade your sixth pick, move down in the draft, and, and do some other different things, or make a trade, or, or maybe even move up by, by giving away your sixth pick overall. So it'd be interesting to see what happens, and that's a card that teams could play as well. Right, and certainly as, as Steve has shown since uh, uh, he's been here, even this, I mean, this goes back to even his days at Tampa, I mean, you know, he... Martin St. Louis, Vincent LeCavier, uh, Jonathan Drouin. I mean, he is no, he's not shy about moving guys. I mean, so he, he's up for anything, I would imagine. Well, you're right about that. And, you know, that's the unpredictability. And uh, Steve thinks outside the box. We saw it with Mo Sider when he picked him. Nobody thought he was going to take Mo Sider, but he did. And look what happened. I mean, and, you know, he was the best player overseas, you know, and, and um, you know, he's got a really bright future in the National Hockey League. So, you never know what Steve's going to do, and so far, so good with the, his draft choices. I think he's drafted really well in his years here in Detroit, and uh, right now, I think Red Wing fans will start seeing some of the fruits of, of those drafts as they start making it into the National Hockey League. Right, and you know, I know a lot of the veteran guys we really didn't talk to, uh, talk about, or, or, or anything, but you know, I expect Valeno to, to make the team, and I, I think that, you know, I think him going to Sweden last year was really, really good for him, but you know, uh, I would expect Larkin to rebound this year, uh, certainly Bertuzzi. Uh, I mean, there, there, there is some hope, there is a future here for the Red Wings, and I couldn't agree with you more, Ken. It really is uh, starting to come together. With that said, I don't know what is this year number uh, fifty for you calling Red Wing games. Uh, uh, I no. mean, uh, it, it, I you know I can't tell you, and I've said this before. You know, you and I have been friends for a long, long time. Goes back to uh, uh, your days as the voice of Michigan hockey, uh, maybe even before that, actually. But anyway, my my point being is this: is that um, you know people always look at me and say, "Geez, uh, are you really that old?" And I'll say, "Well." But we're in a young people field, you know, that it doesn't get old, does it, Ken? I mean, that's, I think that's why, you know, we're effervescent, we're youthful, we're youthful souls. I still think that. Tell me that when I get out of bed in the morning each and every day, you know, bones <laughs> creak, I'm telling you, Art, it gets harder and harder. But no, you know what, uh, it's, it's been terrific, and um, boy, I'll tell you what, uh, you and I go back a long, long time. We've seen, you know, the good and the bad of this Red Wing team over the years. But now, um, you know, it's kind of nice to know that uh, they're on the right track and, and that they're heading in the right direction. And I'm really excited about these young players that uh, down the road are going to be National Hockey League players with the Red Wings. And I'm really excited for the fans in Grand Rapids because you and I have talked uh, off the air a lot about right. uh, about the people in Grand Rapids are going to see these these young players, budding players, before they even come to the National Hockey League. And they're going to be wowed by by their talents, especially this year coming in. Right. Grand Rapids is going to be loaded. Go, you know, when the Red Wings go on a long road trip and, uh, uh, the, the, I, I, and the Griffins are home, I would suggest everybody take a trip to, to Grand Rapids because it's a, it, you know, Van Andel Arena is a nice venue and uh, they treat you like uh, really, really well there. Grand Rapids, very nice city, a lot of stuff to do there. And that team is going to be loaded absolutely loaded and ben simon and his staff uh does a great job and the good thing about it is those players will play in all different types of situations they'll get the experience they need and when they're ready to jump into the national hockey league they'll have all that experience behind them and uh it'll be a smooth transition so we're all looking forward to that right and if grand rapids too far for you go see the toledo walleye in toledo it's closer and uh uh dan watson and his staff do uh I do do an excellent job down there. That's a great place to see a game as well uh, down in uh, Toledo. With all that said, Ken, I'm going to put you on the spot. This is the last question. Who do the Red Wings draft at number six? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I, I it changes every day with me. Our, you know, I always say, well, you know what, maybe they'll go with a defenseman. No, nah, they might go with a goaltender. Um, you know, they're going to go with a center. I just think it, it's – as much as I think that they 
that they would like a goaltender in that spot. I'm not so sure that they'd want to draft the goaltender in the sixth position. So I think they're going to go with a center iceman. I really do. I, I, I just think, you know, the names that come to mind are Mason McTavish, if they really want someone that can score down the road. Kent Johnson's another player who's a center iceman. He can change speeds. He's, you know, he's got excellent puck skills. He's another guy that they could take a look at. You know, Beneers, if he falls, I don't think he is. You know, Chaz Lucius is another player that, right. uh, you know, that, that could be a top center iceman one day in the National Hockey League. So I, I just think with they need some center icemen. And uh, sooner or later, they're going to have to, you know, draft a few guys to be a top one, two center iceman in the league. And I've always said this, if you look at all the good teams in the National Hockey League, they're strong down the middle. And they always have a good one and good two center icemen. And look at the Red Wings, for example, Iserman and Fedorov, right? You had Dad right. and Zetterberg. It just happens. I mean, you, you have to be deep down the middle. You have to have two top center icemen. And that's only going to get there if they draft them. So, you know, sooner or later, they're going to have to draft the center. I think they're going to take a center. All right, Ken, you know, I, you know, usually we agree on a lot of things. I have to disagree with you on this one. All right, uh, that's okay. You know, unless if... And I'm just not saying this because I'm a bit of a Michigan slappy, uh, but if Beneers, Luke Hughes is going to play at Michigan next year, or and he's not going to Owen Power drop, I think I think they'll take one of those three guys. Uh, but uh, I, I just think that just Jesper Wallstadt is just too intriguing not to pass up uh, at at number six. I mean, you know, they really need goaltending help, especially at this Petrozelli thing. Again, if, if Keith doesn't sign with, with, with the wings, uh, you know, they need help in net. They need a, a, a goaltender of the future. Uh, and I know you can get goalies and all this. I've had this conversation with Ozzy, you know, oh, you can always get a goalie. Yeah, but can you all, can, but you may not be able to get a wall stat. You know what I'm saying? And if he's available, maybe I, maybe I just roll the dice, uh, uh, at the number six pick, but uh, that's just me, Ken. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. If if they do go with a goaltender, that would be uh, that'd be terrific. You're not going to see me uh, angry about that because I think Jesper Wallstep, from some of the videos that I've seen and some of the people I talked about, certainly is is down the road going to be a solid National Hockey League goaltender. The question is when, and a lot of those scouts said more sooner than later. So if the Red Wings are looking for a goaltender in the next two years or three years, maybe he's the guy they go after. Well, Ken Cal, the uh, radio voice of the uh, Detroit Red Wings, my longtime friend, you and Paul Woods both, you do an excellent job. I mean, uh, best in the NHL. Uh, thanks for joining us on this edition of the Red and White Authority. And, Ken, we're going to have you on. Uh, this is episode 164, and you were correct. You were on episode 30. Way, way back when, <laughs> way, way back when, 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 when we were both getting out of bed and our bones were creaking. So uh, that's how long ago it was. But uh, uh, but anyway, Ken, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thank you. I was I was wondering if I was ever going to get the call again. Here you're moving up on the episodes, and my phone didn't ring. But no, always a pleasure, Art. Always good uh, in the summer months to talk hockey, especially the draft coming up. And again, for Red Wing fans out there, be patient. The Red Wings know what they're doing, and uh, the future is going to be bright. And just watch these players grow in front of your eyes, and uh, you're really going to like it down the road. Right. I mean, uh, Valeno and Sider alone, and maybe occasionally Raymond and, and Berggren next year with uh, with Smith and Lindstrom and uh, Cholo on the team and Rasmussen and uh, Zadina. We haven't even talked about Zadina. Uh, Zadina coming and Vron. I mean, you know, the, 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 there's some talent. There is definitely a core of players that Detroit can build around right now. Absolutely. Thanks again, Art. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, Ken. That'll do it for this edition of the Red and White Authority.